Welcome to Speaking of Love, the podcast with your host, LaToya. This podcast was created as a platform for spreading love. Welcome to Speaking of Love, the podcast, and I am your host, LaToya. I created this podcast in honor of my dad, who was an amazing guy. He had an infectious laugh, and his spirit was magnetic. He was the type of guy who made everybody feel like somebody special. If you were to place him in a crowded room of 100 people, my dad would be the smartest person in the entire room. He was an award-winning radio TV broadcast engineer for many years. Born and raised in the city of Detroit, he was one of the first to go to college in his family. And while attending Wayne State University, he developed a lifelong love affair with the game of basketball. He was the shortest point guard on the team, but he could slam dunk the basketball with either hand. By all outward appearances, my dad lived a rewarding life, but there were parts of him that were known to only him. On March 2nd of 2020, my dad's private struggles became public when he took his own life in a murder-suicide. When he died, a part of me died too. And since the tragedy, I have become an advocate for mental health awareness and suicide prevention. I also created this beautiful podcast in honor of my dad and others like him who are struggling with the effects of mental health challenges. My podcast, Speaking of Love, is named after a show my dad once hosted called Speaking of Sports. Thank you for taking the time to be here with me today as we take a journey in pursuit of the strongest magnetic force on the planet Earth, and that's love. My name is LaToya Bond, and I have a podcast called Speaking of Love. My podcast is dedicated to the memory of my dad who took his own life in a murder-suicide. Aside from that, I am a business owner. I have a home-based business. I am also a legal professional during my nine-to-five day, and I am a person who operates her entire life on the premise of spreading love. It's the secret to my success. It's the secret to my longevity on this earth. And it's what keeps us going because love is the thing that makes all things beautiful. So that's why I'm here today to talk about my favorite subject in the whole wide world, and that's love. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Speaking of Love, the podcast. I am your host, LaToya, and I want you all to just please forgive me today. I am getting over some type of allergy problem or cold, I'm not sure. So my voice might be a little raspy today, but I'm here nonetheless to spread love. And I'm going to do that today with the beautiful Miss Michelle Steiner. 
Michelle is my guest for today. She's an amazing lady with a remarkable story. Let me tell you about Michelle. Michelle is a disability writer, advocate, and paraeducator. She published articles on the Mighty Nonverbal Learning Project. She is a beautiful person. The world has one magazine, one word gathering. Recently, she began a blog called Michelle's Mission. Her photographs were featured in Word Gathering and Independent and Work Ready. She works as a paraeducator in a school with students who have disabilities. She lives in the United States with her husband and her two cats. Welcome to Speaking of Love, Michelle. Oh, thank you so much, Latoya, for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to have you here today. What part of the United States are you in? I am in Pennsylvania. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So talk to me, Michelle, you are you have a beautiful mission and I asked you to be here today because I admire your accomplishments and I admire the fact that you have taken your life to use for the greater good of other individuals. And I truly appreciate you for that. So talk to me, Michelle, how did this all get started for you? Well, it got started for me whenever I was diagnosed with a learning disability in kindergarten. And that set the stage for uh, what I do today and a lot of the, uh, the motivation behind that. Um, I uh, was diagnosed as, as a very young child uh, with having a discount of having a math, having a learning disability. And um, now we call it dyscalculia, but at that time they just uh, gave the umbrella term of having a learning disability. And I had to repeat kindergarten the following year in a new school. And I went through support services uh, with having learning support all 12 years throughout school. And I struggled academically and socially. So that was really difficult for me uh, just to find somebody that I could relate to that had a learning disability. And now what I try to do is I try to relate to other people that, that have disabilities, whether that's through my writing or it's working with uh, students. Uh, this year I work with seventh graders that a lot of them have learning disabilities and some have other types. And it's just getting that connection and letting them know that they're not alone and that it, um, there, there's a lot of things out there that they can do. So Michelle, when you were growing up and you were in school, were mm -hmm. you able to find anyone that you could connect to in spite of the disability? Was it difficult to connect with others? It was very difficult for me to connect with others, mainly because a lot of my learning support peers, they struggle more with reading. And sadly, some came from some pretty rough family backgrounds. So a lot of them had behavior issues. So it was really confusing for me. I, I didn't know anybody that uh, had a learning disability in math. I thought, uh, you know, most people just struggle with other things. So that was hard to kind of wrap my head around that. And I knew that I wanted to go to college, but I didn't know of anybody that was really successful with that. I was glad that I had my family because my parents, they advocated for me. Uh, they were just always there and they, uh, they really educated me on having a learning disability. That wasn't considered a dirty word in our house. Mm -hmm. uh, they spoke pretty much in clear, simple terms that I could understand. And I think that made the difference too. Wow, that's that's beautiful. So Michelle, when it comes to math, because I struggle in math, that's mm -hmm. not, thank God for my calculator and my iPhone. <laughs> so 
So when it comes to math, what do you think causes the biggest barrier for people like me? Like I'm so intimidated by math. <laughs> what could I do to, I guess, release some of the inhibitions I have about that? Well, the thing that I know is I, my key thing is I try to avoid math as much as I possibly can. Um, and, and to be able to uh, find different ways around that, because some people, they, they can find that way to learn math and they, they do well. I mean, it may not be their forte, but they can do that. Uh, one of the things we did was uh, calculator use. That was always uh, one of the accommodations that I had. Um, it doesn't, it helps a little bit, but it doesn't really, I can still get the, <laughs> the answer wrong with the calculator. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes if I'm out in public and I need to calculate how much I need to leave for a tip, what I'll do is I'll just pull up an app on my phone and I'll put the, the amount in and it shows me uh, the right amount. I can also, um, I can't read the face of a clock. So a lot of times what I'll end up doing is I will uh, just use my Fitbit or a digital watch. So there are uh, ways that people can uh, be able to compensate for that. Okay, now I understand. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to, a lot of people don't know how to read an analog clock. And I yeah. think it's because nowadays, it's just not, people just don't use it. Kind of like with cursive writing, right. children aren't, just aren't taught that anymore. But I remember going to school when I was a young girl, we had a whole class and books and lessons on how to read time from the analog clocks. Yes, we, we tried whenever I was a child to do that too. I could tell time to the hour, but it was always really frustrating because we would try to do that. And I just wasn't getting it. I mean, I can look at it. I can see the, the, the numbers. I can, uh, I know there's a big hand. I know there's a little hand, but it just wasn't making a lot of sense. And now a lot of kids, they have a lot of digital things. We don't really rely so much on it, but it was a big deal. Uh, like you said, when we were younger with having the lessons with that. And I can even remember a lot of people didn't understand. I would say if we were out in public and I would say, oh, what time is it? Somebody would say, well, there's a clock over there. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was like, well, okay, I can see that there's a clock, but I just, it, yeah, just didn't understand. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people just wear a watch just for, for jewelry or for a conversation piece. It's really yeah. not to tell time because we have our phones and things of that nature. So. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, I feel a lot better. <laughs> now, Michelle, I want to talk to you about your experience as you're a disability writer. Mm -hmm. Is it, reading that? So exactly what is a disability writer and what is your role in that capacity? Sure. sure. What, I, what I'll do as a disability writer is I write um, material about my life with a learning disability. Um, I've had articles published on places such as the Mighty uh, Nonverbal Learning Project. I write just very simply about what my life is like uh, with, with having one, my experience, uh, the perspective. But I try to also um, give that to an understanding where somebody that has a disability can relate. And also just so, um, but, but also so other people can understand that. Because I think a lot of times there's a lot of information out there that people don't get. I also have a blog called Michelle's Mission, and on my blog, I put uh, disability articles, and I try to do a lot of metaphors. Uh, nature is a big one, I and I'll do things to describe what it's like just having a learning disability and give the metaphor and give a lot of the terms that um, 
that's around that. And I also get a chance to feature my photography as well. Um, I'm not able to drive because of my visual perception. So sometimes I can pick up on details that other people might miss. I'll be in the car with my husband. And I'll say, did you see that? And he's like, no, I'm focused on the road. <laughs> I can go back later and be able to uh, take a picture of a flower or something else that I had a chance to see if I'm on a walk. And that gives other people have said, wow, you really bring out details in the flower that other people miss. So I, I think part of it is the disability, but another part of it is just that unexpected thing that I, I get to be able to do because and focus in because I'm not so distracted with other things. Mm, that makes sense. Now, you've also dedicated your life to being a paraeducator, mm -hmm. and you currently work with seventh graders, I understand. Yes. yes. So talk to me about your role as a para. We used to call them paraprofessionals, but now they're called paraeducators. Right. I, mm -hmm. I am a paraprofessional. That is technically our term, too, but sometimes I will say paraeducator. It depends. But uh, what I will do is I help the students uh, be able to be successful in the classroom. I get that chance to read a test to a student uh, and somebody read that to me whenever I was younger. So that gives me that opportunity to give back. I'll help students just be able to understand their work. And sometimes I have students that they don't have disabilities, but they just need that little extra help. And I get to be in the classroom with them. And I think the most unique part about the job is for me, uh, it's, going in as a person with a disability, I get that chance to know where a lot of my students are at, uh, mm. how, how they're feeling. And sometimes it's almost like listening to a recording of myself in seventh grade. I hate my learning disability. I wish I didn't have an IEP. And I get to go in and tell them it's okay if we have an IEP or it's okay to have a learning disability. And there's nothing wrong um, with it. You know, learning, you can learn, you just learn differently, you just need different ways to learn. And I get to also show them ways to advocate for themselves, because a lot of times we have some students that will come in and they're, they're a little bit uh, scared to ask for help, or they don't know how, how to do that. So I kind of walk them through uh, how to advocate. Wow. So Michelle, where did this desire come from? I know that you have, when you were growing up, there was a part of you that wanted to have the desire to help others. But where did it come from for you to go forward to become what you are today? My desire to help others be began with just that going, uh, being in school and being uh, in that system and just wanting to be able to give back and to be able to help somebody else who has had it. Um, I've been given a lot of opportunities that, that have happened. I mean, through a lot of hard work and accommodations. Mm. And my goal is to just go back and be able to pay it forward so I can help more people have uh, stories where there is success, whether that's going to college, whether that's trade school, whether that's um, having a job. I want all, um, the people that I'm with, I want to encourage people that have disabilities and without uh, disabilities to, to be the best that they can be and also to uh, educate and empower people as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, and that's very important. What do you love most? What's the most rewarding about the work that you do with children? I think the most rewarding thing is when you uh, work with them and you get to see them be successful. And whether that's um, you go in and you work on spelling words with them at the beginning of the week and they, they're a little frustrated and they're thinking, I can't do this and this is a waste of time. 
And then you go over every day and they get a little bit better. And then Friday when they take the test, I'll hear, okay, I got, I got an A or I got a B or they, they, they tell you what they got. And just seeing that grow from is just amazing. Wow. So if you were asked to give a group of students some words of wisdom, maybe one sentence, what would those words of wisdom be to carry them for their lives? I would encourage my students to know what they want to do and to be able to find a way to do it. Mm, I like that. I like that. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of times there's just so many things that somebody can do with a disability. And sometimes we focus on what they can't do. Mm -hmm. But if you focus on what you want and you're willing to look for programs and you're willing to look for uh, different ways to do it, then you can be successful. Yes, yes. Disability does not mean inability at right. all. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's just finding that right thing. Because I can remember I wanted to go to college and I knew I wanted to work with kids. And I had people that didn't think that I could do that. And they would tell me, well, why don't you go to trade school? And I was mm. like, okay, well, that, that's all fine and good, except nothing they're interested in. And I had that one person that was a student teacher that told me, you can go to college. And sometimes when it got really hard at school, that's the voice that I heard um, just pulling me through. Aww. So talk to me about your college years. What was it like for you, Michelle? They were, uh, in the beginning, it was really difficult for me. I can remember I had to be retested for a learning disability to get accommodations and services. And the psychiatrist, I'm not a great test taker, and the psychiatrist put on my report, uh, most likely not to go beyond community college. Oh. And yeah, that was just heartbreaking. When I heard that, I'm already pretty nervous because I was doing well in high school. And I thought, okay, well, what's, what's it going to be like without having uh, a learning support class or at least a resource room? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was doing well. And then I get to college and uh, it was a lot of stigma surrounding the, the, the disability accommodations. Uh, a lot of people thought they gave you an unfair advantage and I had a professor that said my job choices would be limited because of the disability. And I didn't use a lot of the services and my grades really uh, did not do well without using them. And I can remember I had a professor in a class I was struggling with that said, why don't we at least get you extended test time? And mm. thankfully with that encouragement, I was able to get the, the extended time. I passed her class, I didn't do well, <laughs> but I was able to pass. And I was also able to graduate with my associate's degree. Wow. And I moved out, oh, thank you. And I moved out on my own and I was able to work in some centers with, with kids, but I always wanted more for myself. And uh, whenever for financial reasons, I had to move back in with mom and dad uh, for a while, I thought this is the time to try to go back to university. And I carefully researched, I found a program that had the least amount of math and science possible. <laughs> <laughs> That, that was big. <laughs> and I found uh, the, the program I was interested in, it was a service into special education. So I thought, okay, well, there's an interest and uh, had disability accommodations. And this time I wasn't working. So I was able to be a full-time student and I used the accommodations, but most importantly, I advocated for myself and that made all the difference. I made Dean's List one semester, 
I, my grades improved. Most of my professors were understanding. And I was able to graduate with a bachelor's degree. Despite wow. being told I couldn't do it. <laughs> oh my God, that is so inspiring. You. Do you consider yourself a, uh, as successful? And what, how do you define success? Because I, I look at you and I see the, a successful woman who beat all the odds. So do you consider yourself successful? And how I, do you define success? I do consider myself successful because I was able to do what I set out to do. And that doesn't mean that I'm perfect. It doesn't mean that I achieved everything. And it certainly doesn't mean that I've overcome having a disability. Mm. But what I have done is I've been able to find a way and I still have to look for ways to, to be able to be successful. It's not um, just something that I'm going to go and wow, that's success and and it's over. It's a, it's, it's a journey for me and finding new things that work. And I think my version of success is just uh, just keep to keep on looking for ways to do things and to, and to be able to help somebody else out. And uh, everybody's going to have a different way of what they find success is. Maybe there will be people that I, uh, I work with that they might think that going to school isn't the option for them. And that's okay too. I mean, not everybody has to do college. Not everybody has to uh, do a trade school and, uh, people can pick whatever they want to do with their life and, and kind of have that uh, view of success. Wow. You know, your ability and your desire to help others is so incredible. I really admire that in you. Um, I want to take the interview to a different level right now. Um, okay. This podcast was dedicated to the memory of my dad. Mm -hmm. Michelle, I know that uh, the suicide rates have increased especially mm -hmm. among our youth. Right. If you had a student who was going through some difficult times and they didn't want to live anymore, they were ready to take their own lives, what in inspiring or encouraging words would you say to that person to help them stay around just a little bit longer? Well, one of the things that, that I would definitely tell them is, and I am open about this, that things do get better in life. It can look really hard right now. And it, I can remember uh, just thinking that it was never going to get better, especially in the beginning. It was really hard for me to learn and to be able to do that. And I would tell somebody, things do work out. Things do get better. The, the sun does come out the, uh, eventually. And I also take that very seriously uh, when I've had students that have said that and that I would reach out and try to get them some of the help that they needed and to take that serious. Um, and, and just for people, if they are feeling that way, to not to, not to be afraid to reach out and get help, because there is things out there that um, can definitely help you be able to live. Yes, definitely. And if there's anyone watching right now who may be feeling suicidal, if you feel that you're going to harm yourself or others, mm -hmm. please dial 988. It's a new number. It's been out for almost a year. And just like you dial 911 in an emergency situation, if you're feeling suicidal, you can dial 988 and get help. Um, there are trained professionals there 24 hours a day, seven days a week to help you. Please know that you are loved and your your existence on earth has a purpose, but things may be bad right now. It may look like there is no hope for tomorrow, but I want you to just stay awake for the rebirth because every day that we wake up, we're rebirthing a new day and you never know what tomorrow can bring. 
I know my dad died on a Monday. Mm-hmm. And I often wonder what would life life be like for him if he had stayed around until Tuesday. You never know. So thank you for sharing your wisdom with us, Michelle. I appreciate that because our youth, you know, they need to know that they matter. Exactly. And I think that's hard for a student or or hard for any of our youth because they can't see into the future uh, and see, okay, things do get better. And let's just try to hang on for another day. And our youth do matter that they are the future that um, is going to be helping us someday. And you know why our youth uh, can stay awake a little bit longer and, and go forward? Because, Michelle, we have people like you, Michelle Steiner, who dedicates her life to enhancing the lives of children with disabilities. So without people like you, Michelle, there would be no hope for tomorrow. So what would be the point of staying alive? So thank you for doing what you do. You are amazing, incredible, and I bow to your excellence. I really do. Thank you, Michelle. Well, thank you so much for your kind words. So this podcast is all about love. Uh, Love is the thing that makes all things beautiful. I created this podcast in honor of my dad, who took his own life in a murder-suicide three years ago. And before he died, he was a radio TV broadcast engineer. And my father hosted a radio show called Speaking of Sports. So when he died, I wanted to do something to honor him, but I don't know anything about sports. So I created this podcast, Speaking of Love, and the million-dollar question that I ask all of my guests who sit before me, Michelle, is how do you define love? I define love as being able to uh, be able to be there for another person, to be able to put your needs aside, and to just be able to be someone that can definitely be there with them to the end. That's beautiful. That's what we need, togetherness. Mm-hmm. So, Michelle, what's next for you? You have you have your advocacy work. You're a writer. You're a paraprofessional. You help children. What's next for Michelle Steiner? Are you working on any projects? I am trying to work on a book uh, called Chasing Butterflies that combines my love of butterflies. Oh, and my that's where your picture has all the butterflies in it. <laughs> Right. And life with a learning disability. So I can be able to uh, just go through that uh, process that a butterfly has to go through to become that butterfly is similar to what I've had to go through with accepting and uh, living life with my learning disability. So I I would love to have a book that that's written with with combining those two. Wow, that's beautiful, Michelle. Are you going to self publish? Are you going through a publishing company? Um, I'm not sure exactly what my options are at this point, but I'm, I'm open to just about, uh, yeah, both. Well, I can help you if you, if you plan to self-publish. Oh, awesome. I just, yep. I, um, I guess I can talk about that now. I am public self-publishing a book called, okay. of course, Speaking of Love. Awesome. And it's a, it's a suicide loss survivor's guide to hope, healing, and love. I'm going to put a picture of it up. Here, cool. Um, let me remove the suicide prevention number there. So, this book is um, my passion project. It's called Speaking of Love, it's a suicide loss survivor's guide of hope, healing, and love. And I wrote this book because when my father passed away, 
I really didn't know much about the subject of suicide. I knew what suicide was and I knew how to define the word suicide, mm -hmm. but I didn't know about the causes, the science behind suicide. Mm -hmm. So I created this book as a tool, as a reference to help anyone who's lost someone to suicide and not just to suicide, but just any person who's grieving. And right. I'm self-publishing it. Uh, my daughter is my editor. So Michelle, if you need help launching your project, just let me know. And um, my book will go on sale on May 25th, which would have been my dad's 70th birthday. So I'm holding off until that day, but you can pre-order it on Amazon. The, uh, the ebook version is available for pre-order on Amazon for anyone who might be interested. So thank you all for that. Thank you all to check that out. <laughs> thank you, Michelle. So Michelle, I'm going to put your, your website here. If anyone would like to get in touch with Michelle, be a part of her beautiful mission, here's her contact information here. It's michellesmission.blog, michellesmission.blog. Is that correct, Michelle? Yes, it is correct. Perfect. So is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience before we go? Just encourage uh, people that have disabilities to just keep on looking for a, a way to do it. Wow. That's amazing. I know a lot of people with uh, developmental disabilities. I sit mm -hmm. on the board of directors for the Down Syndrome Guild of mm -hmm. Southeast Michigan, and I've worked with children for over 20 years as a school administrator. So this is a very special podcast to me because children have a special place in my heart, but especially those with disabilities. So I really appreciate you for what you're doing, the work and the things that you have accomplished, Michelle. Thank you so much. Now, Michelle, I do have one last question for you. Okay. <laughs> when the pages of your life are reviewed and your mission here on the planet Earth is over, what do you most want to be remembered for? I want to leave a legacy that I helped other people that had disabilities uh, or just um, people without them to just be able to, uh, th that I helped them in some way. Wow. That's beautiful. You've already achieved your intention. That legacy is already being created every day that you walk in that classroom as a paraeducator and you work with those children, whether it be in a group, whether it's one-on-one, -on -one, you are definitely leaving a legacy of love behind and for that, I truly admire you. And that's why I wanted you here today, because you've dedicated your life to helping others. And the world needs more people like that. Oh, thank you so much. Well, thank you, Michelle, for being here. Thank you all for being a part of Speaking of Love. This was my 125th episode with Michelle Steiner. It's been a beautiful day. I hope you all go out and do something special today. Spread a little love everywhere you go. And I will be back here soon with another episode of Speaking of Love. Thank you all so much for being here. Have a great day, everyone.